Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com slash giving. Enjoy the podcast. And good morning. It is a, pl- a privilege and an honor to be with you today. My name is Jeff Anderson. Uh, first of all, thank you, Pastor Steve, for your leadership, your vision, your family, your leadership team, for just uh, telling the story of Convoy casting the vision of Convoy of Hope. And then you you folks have responded every year you've done one day to feed the world. So today I'm going to give you a little stockholder, kingdom stockholder report of your offerings and your prayers and your partnership with Convoy of Hope. So uh, first service, I spoke a little louder. Probably this wasn't up enough. This is awesome. So I'm just going to stay at this temperature. I'm going to stay at this tone. Yeah, I did get in my car this morning and start fired up the engine and skied all the way up. Uh, to Topeka today. It was unbelievable, man, the rain. And, uh, but anyway, we need it. So uh, I'm married to the love of, of my life, my college sweetheart. We've been married 31 years in June. I have three daughters. Two of them are married, and one of them serves in China, her and her husband as missionaries, uh, AG missionaries. And then uh, daughter number two, they live in the Rapid City, the Black Hills of South Dakota, and they're business owner. She's a social worker. Daughter number three is 16. She just turned 16. She is our Oregon surprise. I have not yet been passed off as her grandfather, which is kind of cool. I said, what does it take to be hip? She goes, just stay away from me. <laughs> it's like, man, there's just a whole lot of love in that, right? But she's a great kid. She's a sophomore in high school, and she loves Jesus. And uh, then, of course, my wife married a Montana girl. And that's how a California boy and a Montana girl meet is at Bethany Bridal, I mean Bethany Bible College in Santa Cruz, California, and that is where we met and began our journey together. God has been good. Um, I have not always been a Christian. Uh, I was stoner of the year at Pinot Valley High School. The year before I graduated, I got expelled from my high school, um, and it was uh, for doing very bad things, and then... They pleaded, my dad and parents and people pleaded to let me back in and graduate with my graduating class. That next summer, I had a profound encounter with the living God at the age of 18. Started going to a little assembly of God church in Northern California called Central Assembly, ironically. And we saw over 150 students come to Christ from that revival. Uh, Yeah, that's, amen. And do you know, 115 of those young people are in full-time ministry scattered all over the globe. It was a move of God. God was just taking the people that maybe didn't know how to do it right, that maybe weren't raised in church, or they were raised in church, and they, they upped their game. God said, hey, I got a plan for you. So no matter what chair you sit in today, you say, I'm a mature believer. I've been knowing God forever. Bless God. Or you're a brand-new Christian, or maybe you're not a Christian. And you're here today, and you're saying, hey, I'm checking things out. I want you to know that you, you are highly valued in God's eyes. And he has got a plan for you. And I, I felt strong today in this service that as I was just sitting here preparing my heart, saying, God, you know, what do you want to say today? What do you want to do? And I have some pre-planned notes and things, so we're not going to go completely off the rails. But a couple things I want to do is tell the stories of Convoy, solicit your prayers. 
Man, add Convoy of Hope to your prayer list, please. You can check out all of our social media handles, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, World Wide Web, all that stuff. You can stay up to date with Convoy of Hope. And um, so that's cool. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead with this story because I told it in the first service and everybody left. So we'll see what happens in this service. So uh, one night outside a small town in Wisconsin, a fire started in a local chemical company plant, and in the blink of an eye, it explodes into a five-alarm fire, goes out to all the fire departments for miles around. When the volunteer fire companies appeared on the scene, the chemical company president rushed to the chief and said, all of my secret formulas are in the middle of my plant in a vault. I'll give $50,000 to the fire department who can bring those formulas out intact. But the roaring flames hold them off. Soon, more fire companies are called in as the situation is now desperate. The firemen arrive. The president shouts that my offer is now at $100,000 to the fire company that can bring out my formulas intact from the middle of this plant. Well, from a distance, a lone siren was heard. As another fire truck comes into sight, it was the nearby Norwegian Rural Township Volunteer Fire Company composed mainly of Norwegians over the age of 65. To everyone's amazement, the little rundown engine roars right past all the new sleek engines that were parked outside the plant. Without even slowing down, it drove straight into the middle of the inferno. And outside, the other firemen are just stunned. They watch as the Norwegian old-timers jump off right in the middle of the fire, fight it back on all sides, a performance never seen before. Well, within a short time, they extinguished the fire, saved the formulas, and the grateful chemical company president rushes over to the chief and says, hey, for such a superhuman feat from you old-timers, I am upping the reward to a quarter of a million dollars. He walks over to personally thank each of the brave firefighters. Well, the local TV news reporter rushes over to capture the event on film, and he asks the chief, Chief, what are you going to do with all that money? Well, said Oli Larson, the 75-year-old fire chief, the first thing that we gonna do is fix the brakes on this here truck. <laughs> so, at Convoy of Hope, <laughs> when everyone else is running out, we tend to be running in. When things are at their worst, we're at our best. So what do we do at Convoy of Hope? Here's a quick video of last year's recap. It'll give you a taste of some of the things we do. Since 1994, Convoy of Hope has been bringing help and hope to those who are impoverished and suffering throughout the world. In doing so, we've served more than 70 million people in more than 100 nations. We have the power in our hands to transform the lives of people who are desperate, people who are hurting, people who have no hope, people who are alone. But once they've moved from hopelessness to hope, there's no limit to what can be accomplished in their lives. Our impact is on level with bigger organizations. Thanks to our strategic corporate partners and a dynamic worldwide network, we're able to feed nearly 150,000 children and their families in 10 nations and rush emergency food and supplies to some of the most far-flung places on Earth. We also hold community outreach events, train women to start businesses, and help farmers in developing nations increase their yields. Some have referred to us as one of the world's best-kept secrets. 
That depends on your definition of a secret. Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And, and for Convoy of Hope, God is opening amazing doors with influencers around the world. Hey guys, it's Day here. Hi, I'm Drew Brees. My brothers and I have worked with Convoy of Hope for a while now. I'm playing for Convoy of Hope. They're an amazing organization. They feed a child in need for $120 for an entire year, which is unbelievable. Convoy Help has done so much for, for these kids and for these families, these farmers. The International Relief Organization, Convoy of Hope, started rolling its trucks to prepare for a response. A Missouri-based charity called Convoy of Hope is here handing out coats, blankets, food, water, real help for real victims. And since Thursday at midnight, you have raised, brace yourselves, a quarter of a million dollars. Major corporations, celebrities, and influencers from both the private and public sectors have strategically aligned with Convoy of Hope because they believe, like we do, that no child, mother, or father should go hungry or have to suffer under the crushing weight of poverty. So much help from Convoy of Hope. Not yeah. the first time we've seen them in action. Yeah. They are there when you need them. Can we just give God thanks this morning for that? I want to give him thanks because, yes, he's the one that gets the glory uh, for all of that. Uh, we're a 24-year-old ministry. We, have, we really, we go everywhere and can do everything because there's usually a missionary somewhere in the world that we can partner with. We resource, encourage, equip, and empower AG missionaries all over the world. We're proud to be the flagship compassion ministry of our fellowship, as well as other organizations and churches that may not have the fulfillment piece of reaching out and touching the least and last and lost and lonely. So we go to places, uh, a lot of folks say, I don't know, dangerous uh, disaster sites. We go to developing nations. We're excited about what we're doing here in America as well, about serving the needs of the poor, the working poor and homeless as well. So we started in America. Of course, that's our still primary burden. We minister to tens of thousands of Americans every year, bring together thousands of churches, deploy thousands of volunteers. And of course, the church in America uh, prays for and partners with us everywhere we go. So thank you for that. Um, it's been a record year. We're serving 162,000 kids in 11 nations. We are re responding and deploying to disasters all over the world. Really being Jesus with skin on to places where we go. Just a, a cup of, uh, a bottle of cold water, um, a hot meal, a blanket, an encouragement, a prayer, um, some resources. We don't just hand out stuff, but we teach skills. We've uh, trained 12,000 farmers in eight nations how to grow more and better food. Uh, we have a women's empowerment program. Almost 8,000 women have graduated from our women's empowerment program. We do rural compassion, which is ministering to rural cities across America with best practice ideas of how to reach their communities and serve the needs of people. In addition, um, we are doing our community events all over America, serving a lot of folks there as well. So it's, it's just a privilege to do that. Your one day to feed the world offering touches all of those ministries. You help put fuel in our trucks. You help load trucks. You help get us overseas. You help us deploy here in America. So you're doing a lot of good uh, when you take a day of your life and say, today I'm working for the poor and suffering 
as your pastors cast this vision, I think five years in a row now, you have really been generous to us. So I want to say thank you for that as well. Um, the two things we do is make life better and make the kingdom bigger. So if you don't remember anything I've said, remember that. Life better for a lot of people we serve and making the kingdom bigger. Here's a, a next slide. My friend Sean Dunn said this. He runs a ministry in Colorado Springs. Actually, no, I need to talk about that quicker picture real quick. That just came to me. I just got this last night. The uh, colonel from Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri reached out to convoy um, one of the colonels, and said, hey, we want to do a missions project, and we want to use one of our um, planes to, to do something good. So it's a KC-10 extender. You can literally just fly a building or many semi-trucks in this thing. The 509th, 131st Logistics Readiness Squadron flew a KC-10 with 70 pallets of Convoy of Hope's food to Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and fed 65,000 kids. The only thing I have to say is that is government funds well spent. <laughs> Hallelujah. This dude is a spirit-filled colonel. He loves Jesus, and he reached out to Convoy and said, we just want to do something. We want to volunteer and deploy our guys and gals to do some good in the world. And we said, have we got a project for you? And uh, we usually float them on barges and get them out of there, out of Lauderdale or Miami. But... Um, so God is good. That was just the, the latest story that came to me on really feeding kids. We've been feeding kids in Haiti for a decade. Right now we serve 90,000 a day in 410 schools and orphanages. Uh, this church, you're going to be deploying to Haiti a missions trip. I pray God blesses your socks off, that he gives you a vision for his world. More than your experience that you come back changed and fire, just that fire translates through your church for missions uh, and for the Great Commission. So it's good. Um, we take partners, prayers, generosity, and really we see God just multiply it over and over again. Here's a picture of the world. Uh, it's not very good, but anyway, it's not a very good picture. But God loves this world. Got, you know, 7.4 billion people on the planet. It's a lot of folks. And only God could love 7.4 billion simultaneously. You know, he's into simultaneity. He can be everywhere all the time, and there's no place that he's not. I just Skyped with my missionary daughter and husband in China last night, and God's doing amazing things in that nation. Just got off the phone with a friend, a pastor, who is the general superintendent of Russia, Alexander, and uh, Yelena Prashaga. And I said, Alexander, what's going on? He goes, hey, Jeff. He said, we need more pastors. We have more churches than we have pastors. God's at work in the world. God's at work in the Arab world. God is at work in South America and Latin America. He's at work in Mexico and Canada. Um, he's at work in America. And we're seeing him do things where there, is, there are people that are just saying, God, we want your way and your will to be done. And yet, here's some startling stats. 40% of the world has not had an accurate presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Next slide. And so the average North American hears the gospel preached 1,400 times. Next slide. In your my lifetime, we'll hear the gospel preached 1,400 times as North Americans. Yet here's these stats. 40% has not had a clear presentation. A third of the bed, a third of the earth goes to bed hungry and 16 to 24,000 people die daily due to starvation and the lack of clean water. And so those two things keep us up at night. One, that people don't know Jesus. And two, people are perishing 
because they don't get enough food and access to clean water. You say, well, can you solve the world's problems? Absolutely not. We serve a God who can, but we are one of the moving parts in the earth right now that God is using to bring change. How does he do that? Through his church, the body of Christ. So Convoy, the difference between any humanitarian organization that you've supported and Convoy of Hope is this. We partner with the local church to do God's work in addition to making life better, Matthew 25. Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to who? Me, he said. You're serving me. So we don't see red, yellow, black, brown, or white. We don't see poor, rich. You know, Greg Laurie, a good friend of mine, he pastors Riverside Harvest. And Greg Laurie says this often. I had him preach for me in Rapid City, and I've just seen their ministry blow up Calvary Chapel. And he always says this at all of his Harvest Crusades. He said, he said, it doesn't matter if you're down and out or if you are up and out, you're still out. If you're poor and without Jesus, you're poor. If you're rich without Jesus, you're still poor. You're still out. Everybody needs to do something with Jesus, right? I hope that you accept him and that you say, God, you have a plan for my life today. And my, our path, we've pastored 23 years and now been at Convoy 7, having a lot of fun, meeting people uh, all over the world, and how God is just um, taking this ministry and, and really using it for his glory. So Heath Adamson said this, next slide, if we preach a gospel apart from radical acts of justice and compassion, we preach a gospel Jesus never preached. And if we have radical acts of justice and compassion without the gospel, all we do is offer a better brand of misery. In other words, Matthew 25, we're to help the poor and suffering. If you see somebody in need, the other day, I couldn't believe it. My daughter and I, we, she loves to thrift store shop. And I'm just like, all right, I'd much rather go to the mall, but if you want to go thrifting. And she's like, yeah, Dad, you know, I found this really cool $60 jacket for four bucks. And I'm like, ah. I like her economy because I can, I can do a $4 economy with her. So we go to the thrift store, and as we were turning to, the, to get on the freeway, driving sideways cold rain in uh, the exotic city of Springapore where I live, Springfield, Missouri. And ladies is standing on the corner with a sign. And I looked at her, and she goes, what do we do with that, Dad? And it just so moved both of us. And I said, well... She needs cash. She goes, do you have any cash? And I said, I just spent it on you. She goes, well, here, I have some. <laughs> I'm not saying do that every time. I normally don't do that every time, you guys. Sometimes I don't, there's not a category for that. And yet God says when you see someone in need, you do something. That's what we do as the people of God. Isaiah says, next slide, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cross of the fatherless, and plead the case of the widow. What does all of that have to do with you as a Christian? You can't do everything for everyone everywhere, but you can do something for someone somewhere. And every single day of your life, you can just live on mission to say, you know, God's let me live here. Uh, and whatever you have, it is intended to bless you and others. It is never to stop with you. So God's saying, hey, 
let me work through you. We're going to talk about that. We're, let me work through you in your everyday life. If you're a student, if you're working, if you're building a family, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're at the peak of your career, if you, are job, if you don't have a job right now, you've been searching for a job. I've talked to a lot of folks in our country that they're looking for that job. They haven't found it yet, but they're, somehow God is uh, they're moving in the right direction. And yet we settle with Ezekiel. Next slide. He says, now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned, and they didn't help the poor and needy. Now, before you get, I got all crazy when I read this verse. I'm like, oh, that verse is so disturbing, and what an indictment on the people of God. I thought God was upset with Sodom and Gomorrah because of other sins. You read this a second glance, and you will realize the thing that pushed God's buttons and made him angry is that they were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned, and they didn't help the poor and needy. Do you want to make God mad? Don't help the poor and needy because he's got a sweet spot for the the poor and the suffering. Now, he's got a sweet spot for people. We know he loves the world. So here's a story in John chapter 6, verse 1. You'll know this story. Uh, because you're a good Bible-believing Assembly of God church. So you're going to know this story, but I'm going to pull a couple of ideas out of it. It's simply called A Boy, A Bag Lunch, and A Super Big God. So John 6, verse 5. And you could go to the next slide if you want to. I'm really not sure. Yeah, just stay right there. So here's this story. If you have your Bibles, uh, we know this story is the feeding of the 5,000. Really, it was more like 10 to 13,000 people. So Jesus, verse 5 of John 6, saw a huge crowd coming to look for him. He turned to Philip and said, where can we buy bread for all these people? He was testing Philip because he already knew what he was going to do. Philip said, if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed all these people. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Hey, here's a young boy with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slope. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. That is my favorite passage in the Bible. They all ate as much as they wanted. Glory to God. It is like buffet on steroids. But wait a second. We just missed the creative, powerful miracle of Jesus taking a boy's lunch and translating it and turning it into a feast. So we're going to focus on that in a second. And here goes. After everyone was full, Jesus said, gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces, filled 12 baskets with scraps. When the people saw him do this sign, they said, surely he is the prophet we've been expecting. Here's the verse I want to highlight with you today. Matthew 19.26 says, with man... This is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. What are you facing today that is so big and so gigantic and so enormous, you just say, well, uh, God, you're going to have to do something here. And I think we have God's undivided attention when something is so overwhelming, so against all odds, and yet that mustard seed faith that says, God, I call upon you to do something. And he begins to work and move. He moves mountains. He does creative miracles. He turns a lunch into a feast. He takes a life 
and multiplies his purposes through it. So we learn to recognize the all-sufficiency of Christ in this story. We can do life one of two ways. Solve it with your own logic and strength as a human or turn your life over to God. And I believe as a church, don't you want to be a church that makes an impact? I do. I mean, I do. Life's too short. Man, I don't want to look back. And I have enough regrets already in my life. Stupid things I've done, things done to me. I want to say, God, I want to keep moving forward so that when I look back over my life, I can say, well, you know, I made some good decisions there to serve Jesus. That wasn't, I'm not, wasn't my proudest moment, but I, but this, this moment here of saying yes to Jesus, that was probably the single greatest decision I've ever made is to say yes to God. So the principle here is there's no impossibilities with God. What are the takeaways? One, no person or gift is too little or too insignificant. Here is a little boy who is, he's got a lunch, you know, and so raised in Northern California, I was born in LA, raised in NorCal, been in the Midwest almost all of my adult life and ministry life. John Muir was one of my heroes growing up. Muir Woods is named after him, Muir Beach. He was the American-educated, Scottish-born founder of the Sierra Club. Not crazy about the Sierra Club now. But John Muir, as a kid and as a teenager, memorized three-quarters of the Old Testament and the entire New Testament. He got the ear of a sitting president to create our national park system and was also able to minister to a guy named Ansel Adams who has world-famous black and whites. So John Muir, when he would walk into Yosemite Valley, he would look at the grandeur and creation of God and begin to quote at the top of his lungs the Psalms. Can you imagine being a non-Christian or a non-believer or a pagan or a heathen or an atheist or agnostic going, what's up with that guy? Because the word of God was so in him, it came out in worship to our God. John Muir said this a week before he died. He said, when you try to pick out anything by itself in the world, we find it hitched to everything else in the universe. And here's what he meant, I believe. We are all part of God's chain reaction of blessing in reaching the world. Every action produces a reaction. So, here's the final stanza to the house that Jack built. Don't fall asleep. My mom used to read this to me. I'm just real short. Nursery rhyme. This is the farmer sowing the corn that kept the cock that crowed in the morn that waked the priest all shaven and shorn that married the man all tattered and torn that kissed the maiden all forlorn that milked the cow with crumpled horn that tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. Why are you reading a nursery rhyme? Because there's a chain reaction of that wonderful day, and here's the chain reaction we find in John 6. There's a mom who gets up, who goes to the kitchen to make her boys lunch. Little did she know that she was making lunch for her son and the king of kings and the lord of lords and 10,000 guests. But there was a dad. He got up, got dressed, went to work to make the money, to buy the food, to give to the mom, to make the lunch, to give to the boy, to give to Jesus, to bless a multitude. That's the God that we serve. God can take your lunch or your life. He can take this idea of convoy of hope and multiply it.
over and over and over again. But there was a boy who gave the lunch. Not sure how he gave it. I think it was more like, I'll take that, okay. From one of his disciples. It's like, you know, I think they pretty much snagged it out of his hands. I'm not quite sure how that went. Get to heaven, I'm going to get the fine print on that story. But the little boy's lunch became so much more when it was placed in Jesus' hands. And that's the concept, everybody. Your life can be so much more, so can mine, when you, every day you just wake up and say, all right, I got this day, I got this lunch, I got this life, I'm putting it in God's hands. God, you do something greater with it. D.L. Moody said, give your life to God, he can do more with it than you can. Why hadn't he eaten his lunch? I don't know. Why did he give it away? I don't know. It may take faith for you to give, but I will tell you, time and again, no person or gift is too little or insignificant. Two, no need is beyond the notice of our Lord, both spiritual and physical. Today, uh, I'm so thankful that I live where I live and do what I do, but, you know, I decided, it was decided for me, and I'm probably never going to be rich right? Nobody in my family, it's like a lot of money. We're all working. My mom, my mom was a buyer. My dad was a salesman. My brother works for Chevron at an oil refinery. My sister's a cosmetologist and a cake baker. All of our kids and nephews and, you know, nobody's like, wow, you know, got a lot of money. But we are rich by the world standards. We, all of us, have work hard. You make a living. You, you do life. And some are serving the Lord, some aren't. But I will say this, that no need is beyond the notice of our Lord, spiritually and physically. And um, here's some stories of some people whose lives you've changed. This is uh, Madame Celeste. She's the vice principal of a Christian school in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, a school of 800 kids. This is the first drinking faucet, one of 10,000 we we, uh, plugged in at the school. And um, this is their version of a water faucet, Sawyer Point One water filters. It cleans the water, and uh, the kids love it, of course. Who doesn't like clean water? Water's the number one offender in Haiti for disease and sickness, and uh, they can't stand it. When it comes up out of the water at the community well, they want it purified and clean. So Convoy has been able to answer that because of one day to feed the world churches to get good food and clean water into those places and villages is changing their life. Well, Madame Celeste has an interesting story because uh, right after the Haiti earthquake, she used to go to this church very much like this and sit on the back row and have to sit through a church service. And then they fed people that came, and then they gave them each two bags of groceries. And she got that food to keep her family alive after the earthquake of 2010. She would hike down every time, every time. And finally, she'd start bringing her family. And she got real upset one night. The preacher was up there talking about Jesus and the cross and the blood. And she was really offended. So what she did is she tried to cast a spell on the minister up front. You see, she's the black mamba. She's the third most powerful voodoo priestess in the nation. And she has literally full of the devil. They cast five demons out of her when she got saved one night. And she said, Jeff, and I, I know her, so her story's, I know her pastor too. And she said, Jeff, I tried to cast the spell and work my juju, and nothing happened. I felt completely powerless. And I'm like, awesome. And I said, so what did you feel? She said, it's not something, it's someone. She said, someone was in the room. 
I said, who do you think that was? She goes, the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, oh, yeah, don't mess with the Holy Spirit. She goes, nope. She said, and all of a sudden, I found myself at an altar confessing Jesus, and they cast five demons out of me. And she goes, I'm the vice principal now of the school. That's worth clapping for. Okay, so she came for the food but left with Jesus. That's what I tell her all the time. I'm like, that's so awesome. She went back, led her whole family to Jesus, shut down all of her nasty voodoo shops. Voodoo's on the decline, by the way, in the Caribbean. Since the earthquake, it separated the liars from the buyers. Pardon my English, but it really did. The church of Jesus Christ showed up and put up And it got the attention of the entire Caribbean world. And people went, the believers in Jesus are coming to help us. And they're bringing their God with them. And it's changing the landscape. It's changing the culture of Haiti. And uh, I love Haiti. I have a lot of love for that nation. So anyway, all right, moving on. This is Nicaragua, Sandino Garbage Dump, 2000. People live at the dump. They recycle the garbage every single day. It's a caste system of recycling. When the trucks show up, the A team goes, gets all the good stuff. In the middle of the night, they're working with flashlights to recycle the garbage. Team 10 recycles the trash. Tin, metals, plastics. And they get $3 a bag for the garbage that they recycle. But at, at this school, at this particular dump, um, we serve families every Friday with beautiful baskets of food and boxes, and it keeps them alive. This is the school, next slide, that where their kids go. The kids, uh, this is where they live. That's a big landscape of picture. The next slide is the, one of the schools, school of 750 kids. We supply two meals a day and the clean water. And uh, we visited this school. Kids are full of life. They're like your kids, you know. They love to eat, play, learn, tell jokes, goof off, get in trouble. All the, all the stuff that normal kids do, but they're told about Jesus at this school, and they get food, and so they really, really love Convoy. When we came there, next slide, you'll see these kids um, did something real interesting. We served candy, and the teachers, I don't know if the teachers approved of this or not, but they weren't too happy with us. We served suckers. I mean, the kids were just loading their pockets up with dum-dums, and then I just got my camera out and sh- took this picture. Well, this little kid came up to me, hours earlier in the day, and ripped my key fob ID tag off of my belt. It's my ID tag to get in all our buildings at Convoy. And just runs across the playground screaming something in Spanish, like stupid white boy or something like that. I'm not sure what he was saying. And I'm like, I'm not tearing after him because I don't care. I don't want it, and whatever he's doing, I'm not sure. So at the end of the day, he comes up to me, and he says, "Uh, what's your name? And I said, me llamo Jeffrey. He said, me llamo is Jeffrey. My name is Jeffrey. And he flipped out that we shared the same first name. And I said, what's up, Jeffrey? Fist bump, squeeze, selfie. And then he told me his story. And I was mom and dad worked three jobs. He loves this school. And he said, you're the food guy. And we love the food. And I said, awesome. I said, you're going you're to change the world. I said, do you love Jesus? He goes, oh, man. We all love Jesus, every one of us. I took the picture. I get back to Convoy. The story has already gone ahead of me. I call our HR department. I said, I can't get in the building. She goes, yeah, we know why. 
I'm literally calling from my cell phone. She said, we think that's the coolest story, Jeff. Here's a pass code to get in. And you know what I didn't tell Jeffrey? I didn't tell Jeffrey that that key fob opens every warehouse and every office on the planet. It means something more to him than it does to me. Next slide. He's a one-day kid. He receives funds from one day. This is Adanesh. She's one of the women in our women's empowerment program. i got to hurry. This gal, man, she's a world changer. We invested seed capital with her. She started a chicken farm, then goats, sheep. She has a flock 20 times worth what she started with. And she recently acquired electricity and furniture for her home. She's 33 years old. She lives in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And the One Day to Feed the World funds transform these women's lives. Most of them are Muslim that come. We don't tell them. Right? I mean, we tell them about Jesus. We tell them why, the who, what, and why about what we're doing. But we don't say, hey, you've got to become a Christian in order to do this. We just slowly bring salt and light into their life. And one day they realize, man, Jesus is good. And he does good. So she took that opportunity and ran with it. Next slide. This is Elena. She was raised at that garbage dump I just showed you pictures of. And uh, she joined a team of pastors on the bus and told her story. There wasn't a dry eye on the bus. At 12 first babies, 13 second baby, 14 third baby. And she was kicked to the curb, lived on the streets for years. She's 26 years old now. She's one of the directors of our women's empowerment program in Nicaragua. And I said, Elena, what's your life verse? I want to share it at churches I speak in in America. Here it is. Next slide. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes and places them in seats of honor. I said, Elena, how do you feel now? She goes, I feel clean inside and out. I could never get clean living at the dump. They lived in squalor in a lean-to tent made of tin and cardboard. And I said, Elena, what's it like now? She said, man, Jeff, she said, I, God's been so good. She said, I can provide food for my kids. I live in, in a better uh, housing than I did before. And she said, I actually have an income. I can, I can go places and do things. I never was able to do that. You're changing the lives of people like this one, this next person. Um, this is one of our farmers in Haiti. And... Um, they're growing corn and beans and rice back online in Haiti. It's pretty amazing what's happening there. Next slide. These are farmers in Nicaragua. Now, this is a pretty remarkable picture. This is a faith picture. This is a dragon fruit farm. We have 10,000 dragon fruit trees. You can buy dragon fruit maybe at a local grocery store. It's not cheap. It's really good for you. Most of it's grown here in Nicaragua. And during this drought, they weren't able to grow corn and beans, so they decided to take a step of faith and grow dragon fruit. God has given them a miraculous bumper crop the first year, first year of harvest with this dragon fruit. And this farmer, if you can see him on the corner, he's just pointing upwards. He's just got his finger going up saying, this is, the, this is for God's glory. He said only God could have done this. And these farmers are hard working, about 100 of them that work this particular uh, piece of land. And here's another fun story. The government of Nicaragua came to them and said, hey, why haven't the bugs eaten your crops? Because they ate everybody else's crops. And this, these two farmers are brothers. They just said, because this is God's property. <laughs> That's what they told the, the minister of 
whatever in Nicaragua. It's like, okay, we'll write that down. Put that in the report. <laughs> they didn't have a better answer. Is there a better answer? These guys are desperate for to make a living. They want to work. They just don't have representation or a chance to do it. Next slide. I don't know why that's in there, but that's what it's all about. Amen. Next slide. This is water filter. I just took a picture of one of these Haitian kids. You can see they love the water purification. Next slide. Thank you. You're working right with me. You're awesome. One of our trucks supplied by the young people of the Assemblies of God through a ministry called Speed the Light. And we love Speed the Light. We love BGMC. We love Life for the Lost. We love our AG missionaries because we partner with them. That's Harvest. Yeah, go ahead. You're doing great. That's the marketplace where they're selling the crops that they grew in our ag program. Next slide. A very happy uh, Nicaraguan girl. Next slide. And a crazy happy Haitian girl. I think we fed her candy just before lunch. I'm not sure. So that's a beautiful picture. Next slide. Third and final, God wants to use you. So how does he want to use you? It took the boy who gave, Jesus blessed it, individuals prepared the food, and it took disciples to distribute it. And folks, you're changing the world through Convoy because of the system that God put in place, but also your prayers and financial partnership, and you're deploying. You're actually going with us. Uh, it's pretty cool, and this, this relationship is growing. Uh, number four, expect God to multiply what you give him. So today, as we land the plane, remember, if you give, you'll receive. Your gift returns full measure. The Bible says, pressed down, shaken together, making room for more, and running over. I love that verse. Uh, you can't outgive God. You've heard it said, and who more than a missionary or somebody from Convoy to say that? But it really is true. I've never regretted giving to Convoy monthly, as I do. We support Convoy personally. We support kids in our program. But as a pastor, I grew up with Convoy. I started giving to Convoy in 1994 when they started. And I loved the ministry of Convoy long before I got there. Why? Because they, your pastor says they deliver and they get results on what they do. And um, maybe you're looking at your supply today saying, you know, it's not much. You do one day or you give an offering. But you trust Jesus. And I would say this, that God will multiply what you give through Convoy. He'll multiply your life, your talents, your investment into others. And uh, one day churches do that. So this final idea says this, for the Christian, compassion means this, when we love those in need, we're loving Jesus. I love that. So when you reach out to, G when you reach out to others, you're really, the Bible says you're doing it to him. Next slide. John Maxwell says this, you give me everything God says, you give me everything and I'll take care of you, or you can keep it all and take care of yourself. <laughs> it's not a Bible verse, but it sure is good. <laughs> Sounds like a Bible verse. <laughs> but it really ministered to me this week when I read it because I thought, you know, that's like the boy's lunch. When you just take your life and say, daily, God, you know, it's not a one and done thing, everybody. It's a, it's a daily lifestyle of just trusting Jesus with what he's given you and you live your life for his glory. And I'm telling you, and what I was going to tell you is I've never regretted giving to any kingdom work and any missions offering. I've never, Mary and I, my wife and I, I've never said, you know, I really regret giving to that missionary to Chi Alpha. 
I really regret giving that missionary in Africa. Not once. And you know what? I would have spent the money anyway on something. And God says, you take care of my business. I'm going to take care of yours. And he always has, and he always will. Next slide. All right. I guess I, my slides are all out of whack. I'm just going to go with the flow. Proverbs 11:24 says this. The world of the generous grows larger and larger, and the world of the stingy grows smaller and smaller. So Topeka first, your generosity is known around the world through convoy, through all of your missions endeavors, because you give and pray and send. And I want to say thank you. Keep doing it. The world's in a, in a greater place of need than I've ever seen, and yet it's more opportunity than we've ever seen at Convoy. I think that's the last slide. Yeah, we're going to hold right there. So this is the picture of Lindsay's dad and uncle in the summer of 1969. Hal Donaldson, our president of Convoy, his dad, the Donaldson children's father and mother were in a head-on car accident in Northern California. They were on their way to a church business meeting, believe it or not. Just dropped the kids off. The babysitter had just come over, and they got in their car and took off, and a drunk driver hit them head-on, going in the wrong lane, and killed Pastor Donaldson instantly and left Mrs. Donaldson with life-threatening illness. She was laid up for months in the hospital. Police officers, deacons, and elders went to the Donaldson home and knocked on the door. And they, the babysitter answered the door with the four small children and said, we have bearing some very terrible news that um, Pastor Donaldson was killed. And uh, I believe one of the deacons just looked at the kids and said, your daddy's in heaven. And Susie screamed at the top of her lungs, Susan, I just want my mommy and daddy. And what Little girl wouldn't. I just want my mommy and daddy. Well, the three brothers, their world was turned upside down, Hal being the oldest. And immediately, uh, family and friends start gathering at the porch of this house. Not this house, but their house. And one of the state troopers said, somebody has to take care of these kids and a family known as the Davis family, stepped up to the plate. And they said, we'll take them. And so five people already lived in this single wide trailer down the street, but four more kids were going to move in that night. And that is what seeded the ground of Convoy of Hope, was a mangled station wagon that took their father's life, and the Davis family who taught them that there's still good people in the world to do kindness. And that we don't understand everything, but don't let it create bitterness in your life. And do you know what? I just had lunch with Hal, our president. I said, Hal, do you remember that moment? And he just began to weep. We're sitting in a, like his favorite Mexican restaurant in Springfield. And I mean, he just, and he said, I do. I said, Hal, I tell your story. And I said, what was so fast, what's fascinating about this story is that Hal said it was the worst 24 hours of my life, and rightfully so. He said, because that persuasive knock catapulted my two brothers and I 
into a world we would have never thought. And now, God raises up Convoy to bless the nations as a result of this, not only that incident, that life-changing moment, but this act of kindness, Bill and Levada Davis sacrificed their privacy, drained their savings account so that four children could have a safe place to call home. And they spoke life into those kids. And Hal traces it back to that trailer. And that was the beginnings of a movement of compassion known as Convoy of Hope.